Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello! Hi! Today we're going to be doing our 2021 recap, discussing some of our favorites for the year, and of course, reviewing all of our statistics. Naturally. Um, so congratulations on podcasting another year. Yep. And once again, getting to use my graduate degree. The, the one time <laughs> a year. Do once a year. Yeah, which I do once a year. All right. So I guess we'll just go through all of our favorites from the year. Uh, what games had our favorite artwork of the year? BP? <laughs> well, right off the top of my head, I uh, was thinking about the Golem game because those were very cool golems. And we were just very into the art. Um and then I had to uh, go through the list to remind myself of all the games we've played. I have played a bunch. Uh, so there are some other mentions I have to uh, to give out. Uh, Tang Garden, I think, especially uh, kind of table presence, but also the art was really great. Um, table presence also with uh, some of the... Um, Dexterity games we played, such as uh, Crash Octopus and uh, especially Gabuto Sumo. Gabuto Sumo. Gabuto yeah. Sumo. Yeah, that one's real fun. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, just some shout outs uh, Overboss and Stardew Valley because they just kept with that 8 bit kind of theme that they have running through their, their artwork, mm -hmm. um, which is great and classic. And then uh, Goody Tama Egg Butt because it was so darn yeah, cute. Yeah, it's pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, Golem, or uh, Century, Golem Edition, and Tang Garden were the two that I listed as well. Uh, I really liked all the stand-up. I would have mm -hmm. liked to have played Tang Garden in person, in person, because I think that would be a really cool, like, end of bore, end of game look. Mm -hmm. um, and then Golem, I just remember us going through and being like, oh, look at this one, look at this one, look at this mm -hmm. one. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. And then... Yeah, I don't think I disagree with any of the any of the choices you have there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't think about Ten Garden. That's that was a really good table presence. Um, I was thinking Oceans had that like vibrant color and like cool um, oceany shark monster creatures that were kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Um, so that, that See, was... I couldn't remember what that game was. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> obviously the art did not stand out to me as much but now that you say yeah those monster uh it had like very cool like neon fluorescent color type things and like yeah. yeah it it has a cool look and then i'll say just the um sabotage and now boarding because that whole uh tim fowers and mm -hmm. uh, ryan goldsberry i think is the artist yeah, that is really good art. Plus, I loved the the board presence for Sabotage, mm -hmm. how the board, it's like the box itself, like turned into like you used it. Yeah. And for portions of the game. I really like that. Uh, What was your favorite mechanic of the year, Kiwi? Something you've never played before or a unique twist? So I went with dexterity games, actually. So I wasn't sure I was going to like dexterity no, games. No, always and then, avoid them. Yeah, I always avoid them. And then Crash Octopus was a lot of fun. Uh, playing with the boy and, and BP and then Kabuto Sumo was, you know, that very first playthrough, like it went in like 10 seconds and both of us were just like, oh, I'm not sure. And then we played it again and it was like, OK, we need to play it a third time. Uh -huh. um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. And then some off the podcast that we played, mm -hmm. the uh, Tokyo, Tokyo Highway. Highway was a lot of fun. That was a dexterity game. So, I, you know, I'd be willing to try more 
because I was apprehensive about whether or not I would like them. And the ones that we've played, I feel like have been successful. And then I was going to give a, a, a an honorable shout out to uh, app driven, not necessarily app driven, but app companion uh, apps. Yeah, companion app, uh, specifically with Forgotten Waters, because hmm. I loved the story, like having that ambiance and the great voices mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff kind of telling the story. Was it necessary? Absolutely not. But it's still like a fun, like add in uh, to the game. So I liked that. I'm trying to think for me, I don't know that we had I didn't play as many dexterity games as you this year, uh, obviously, because they tend to be better in person. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think like some of the ones again that um, I mean, we like already off the top of our head where we love the storytelling driven yep. scenarios. We like cooperatives. Um, so I'm not sure that there was anything new that I can say. I would say I, I'm thinking team games because like, I mean, we had code names before, but then Sabotage was kind of a team game. Uh, Decrypto I got, which is kind of a team game, Um, kind of a lot of like those sort of games that and also more social deduction type of games like we have resistance, like those kind of games that I never really thought I I liked that much. But yeah, uh, with like a fun group that doesn't take it super serious or anything like I've been having fun with those. So that's probably the mechanic that surprisingly interested in this year. Uh, we did we did skip over one in the show notes, but a standout theme. I went with the oceans and evolution kind of because, you know, they had the same kind of mechanic where I thought it was pretty cool to try and like build your species and have it survive or like let it mm-hmm. die because mm-hmm. it would benefit other things. Uh, I really liked that those elements. Um, and I thought that was an interesting theme and something different that we hadn't played before. Another one on that that I played sort of need to play again was far away which is sort of another kind of ecosystem kind of thing um, oh what was that one it's hard to explain it's really hard to explain okay. i gotta give it okay. another full full uh, shot probably with you to, to get the rules correct uh it's sure. kind of an impromptu play that was a complex game and i'm sure we did not do anything right in it so but what was there was interesting and it was very like a tried to build like an ecosystem kind of thing um we kind of played a lot of a lot of pretty bland themes, I feel like, this year. Um, yeah. I'm going to go uh, with Oil Barons as my favorite now. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Star yeah. Wars, um, It's a Wonderful World, whatever that theme was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, um, yeah, I, I felt like kind of a weak year on themes. Uh, BP, favorite theme? Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I tried to when I looked at this question, I tried to steer clear of the the IP driven games because like sure. obviously Princess Bride, I love the IP. Right. Stardew Valley, I love the IP. Uh Star Wars, I love the IP. So like I, I specifically did not look at those in terms of theme. Um, because I easily could have picked one of those uh, mm-hmm. to be my favorite. I tried to go with something a little bit different. And that's why I went with oceans and evolution. I think that's the most yeah. different theme we had this year. Otherwise, yeah. they either had it like Nanty narking was an interesting concept, but we didn't feel like it came through on the theme of like that Victorian, yeah. yeah. like crime groups and stuff. I mean, just looking through the list again, we did do a lot of, uh, I mean, speaking of evolution and things, but a lot of the more nature themes that really did yep. come through. Um, so uh, 
And so maybe like just looking at a general um, idea of like kind of things that we were really attracted to yeah. overall that felt like the themes tied in. I mean, I'm also thinking, right, the bees game. Bees and Mariposa. Con, yeah, yeah, Mariposa. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree. Um, and then, of course, Kabuto Sumo. Like, nature, I yeah. hate dog, uh, bugs. But again, it, it really, it fit into what it was trying to be. It, yeah. was, it was really a great coming together game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Nature seemed to be the thing this year, not just for us, but for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which mm-hmm. is cool because I like biology. Um, yeah. What was our what was the most fun to teach, Kiwi? And I know you hate the wording of that, but I'm still going to ask. it. Yeah. Um, so th- what I wrote down was the ones that we already knew. So cat lady, because <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of yep. teaching. Um, but I, you know. Ignoring those two, or, or the book, the the, the one uh, that we had the tutorial for. Oh, uh, Adventures of Robin yeah. Hood. That was great too. That's, <laughs> that, when anytime you don't necessarily have to teach while teaching, that was great. Yep. Um, no, I actually uh, Princess Bride. I felt mm-hmm. like I, I think when they're when the mechanics of the game work so well with the IP, and I we both BP and I felt like that game was really thematic mm-hmm. and, I, and i think when a game is thematic it's so much easier to teach like here's the thing that you have to do here's why you're doing it and it just makes sense mm-hmm. yep. and you don't have to be like oh wait what's that thing i have to do it again you said that before though yeah, yeah. And, and i think that's one of the reasons why we we talk about like did you feel like you were mm-hmm. you know insert theme here right um because i think that does go towards the enjoyment of the game and so i think princess bride because of that and because we love the movie so much and the game just kind of works. Um, we really that do one love was that a, movie. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it, that was a, a, an easy teach and I really enjoyed, enjoyed that one. Yep. Was there one that was surprisingly? I, I would say Root, you know, because we, I've specifically avoided Root because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be very hard to teach because every faction is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I sat down and read the rules and, and looked it all over, the teach for Root really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Or as hard, not not bad as in like right. bad, but like bad as in yep. difficult. difficult. Yep. And I would say the same for uh, learning on that one. I thought it was going to be kind of a nightmare, but it was pretty easy actually. <laughs> uh, what was the most fun for you guys to learn? Uh, Kumo Sabuda. It's going to be that's, sumo. You're just going to say it wrong every time. Yes. And I'm going to say it every time. Nine tiles panic was also. Yeah. That one was fun to watch other people kind of panic through. Building yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll just go on the. I did have to teach a couple games this year. I go back to mm-hmm. the Tim Powers games because I just said it the other day. It's like they're mechanically simple and really easy to pick up, but have a lot of depth. Yeah. And so like, I don't know. Stress teaching games really stresses me out. My, my least favorite was Gloomhaven. Oh, my God. <laughs> still trying to teach it uh honestly i will say that if you pick up jaws of the lion uh the first five missions of that were a great tutorial tutorial that system. i really wish I was, had yeah which i really wish had been in the base game yeah i was looking for games that had sort of a tutorial system in them that we did i don't see a whole lot yeah, not that we've played this year, but like Mexican Minions, yep. I felt like had a great scenario building. Um, the Jaws of the Lion version of Gloom even has a great um, tutorial building. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood, I thought that that was amazing. Yep. That, mm-hmm. Oh, that was like a really that good tutorial one, yeah. setup. It was super good. Um, so I think when games are more complex, 
you know, having that built in. Yeah. Cause I think even the Robin hood one was like, Hey, if you already know how to play the game, you can skip this and you can just go mm-hmm. to the next, yeah. like the first exactly. you real just make adventure it skippable, but it's there to learn. And I think that also just ties into like, you know, being able to do, if you have a campaign structure, like mechs versus minions or any kind of storytelling game, like it, you lets people open envelopes and stuff, which is, is fun. Yeah. Role player adventure, actually. Uh, I was the just, very I first, knew there was something. The we very first playing. mission in that has a great kind of build up because it lets you pick like, okay, which path do you want to go mm-hmm. to? Yep. But then regardless of which path you pick, it takes you through portions of the game. So mm-hmm. like the first you know encounter that you have, you can either, uh, you know, you do a skill challenge yep. and then the last one you do combat. So it like you, you end up doing all the things you need to do. And gives you kind of a step-by-step walkthrough. The, the role-player adventure one was quite good as well. So teaches we like tutorials. Yes. <laughs> Sleeping Sleeping Gods had a tutorial in it too. Of sort of nice. let's nice. play through a full round as you sort of get the intro to the story. And then you start the game. And most painful to learn, BP. <laughs> um, yeah, pipeline. Because uh, I feel like even... Yep. By the end, we were still just like, I don't understand why we're doing these things. Um, was the mathy space game, was that last year that last or this year? year? Uh, that was last year. You okay. were thinking uh, space space. Oh, no. she's think- I thought she was thinking leaving Earth, the pure math one. Oh, were you th- yeah. Were you thinking the Kerbal Space Program where we had to build rockets to go into space? I don't know. They all just sound really awful. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> I am trying to uh, trying to remember some of the other ones. The, that the were... one versus others one is not alone. It's not alone. That one. Was, okay. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't remember what that one was about. It's like okay. one. It's aliens. Uh, it's so one aliens. person plays the alien, and I don't even remember who was I the alien. I think so. Yes, Eric was mm-hmm. the alien. Oh yeah, that's what I have in the note. Is the one the other? And yeah. You were like trying to find uncover. I don't even remember. Yeah, we we it were was, trying to escape. Yeah, and you were trying to eat us, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no. I'll say another one that was hard to learn was sabotage, just because of that. Kiwi knew the rules, but he was on an opposite team, so it was really yeah, hard for Kate and I to yeah. ask questions. So one of those ones where we probably should have played through like a fake round or something. And I think we did talk about yeah. that where. If I taught it again in the future, we would play a fake round mm-hmm. so that I could look at the other Both side sides. and be like, okay, yeah, this is what you want to do. Yep. Um, and then one, Decrypto is also a hard one to teach and explain and learn because like it makes zero sense until you just play it. So yeah. like it's kind of a weird game, but it's really simple once you do it. Yeah, I'm not sure like outside the, you know, other than the ones we talked about at Gen Con, like that tile story building one that. The teach just mm-hmm. wasn't great. I don't think we played any games off the podcast here, our house, that were hard teaches. Uh, what game do we wish we left on the shelf? Um, Pipeline. Mm-hmm. We, we decided that pretty quickly into the game. Uh, yeah, I also put down It's a Wonderful World. I could have mm-hmm. left that one as well. That was not even a memorable game. Uh, but I, I specifically didn't write Pipeline because I figured you both would say Pipeline. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, but so and it's a wonderful edition. world. And I would also put Shelfie Stacker up there. Yeah. Pipeline was the only one, one of the few games I couldn't really get through. And on my shelf, I played off the podcast was um, Winterborn. We did not finish that game. Um, uh, it yeah, just I seemed me. like such, it was so long. Those are definitely the ones that just seemed like everything else. I don't know. Even if we didn't yeah. like it, it seemed like it was a, a worth playing to yeah. Try it out, learn some mechanics, 
see different things. What game had the best player interaction, BP? Well, yeah, again, right off the top of my head, the Dexterity Games, of course, especially at Kabuto Sumo. They say right that, that I time. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a two-player game where you're trying to, you know, shove each other off of the board. So obviously, um, also unmatched. You are right going after people, and then um, our kind of storytelling cooperative games. You know, Adventure Zone. I think we really enjoyed that. Yep. Um, you know, we again we like to tell the story and build off of each other. Uh, and I also put down sabotage because. Um, that was a really fun trying to figure out what Kate and Eric yeah. were doing. Yeah. And uh, again, like the, the team aspect was just really fun with that one. Well, so when I was getting the database together, some of the stuff was missing. So I had to go back and listen to some of the elements. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I was going through the sabotage one and we were getting to it and, you know, I specifically remember Eric uh, asking Kate, was this the first time that you ever had to try and figure out what was going on in Kiwi's brain? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a, it's a unique experience. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> There's a lot of penguins in there. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, uh, Unmatched was the, the game that I wrote down as well, but I, I would not disagree with any of the ones that, that BP just mentioned. Uh, obviously, but the, the cooperatives are always a lot of fun interaction. I'm going to go back to Oceans, maybe? Because that, in that one, for people who doesn't remember the game, you know, you you were building like evolving ocean animals and some of them were like leeches and some of them were sharks mm-hmm. and predators. And you had to like pay attention to what other people had and how their animals were evolving. And so I, it was kind of a, an interesting interaction of like, paying attention to what other people are doing and evolving your animals in a way that you could continue to play and stuff. What uh, game had the best history tie-in, Kiwi? Uh, so I have two choices. The first one was uh, Adventure Mart, talking about convenience stores, because mm-hmm. uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Plus, uh, I really love the convenience stores in Okinawa and Japan in general, mm-hmm. and so we got to talk about those. And then uh, we talked about donuts in the <laughs> dollars to donuts episode. And so I love donuts. And so we got to talk a little bit about donuts. So those were kind of, I think, my two favorite history tie-ins this season. I think I did a whole uh, mini lecture for the Tang Garden and yep. the Tang. And Alhambra as well. Yeah. <laughs> Trick shot. I talked about the uh, the original six and the forming of the NHL. Isle of Skye was good too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The Scottish, uh, Scottish Highlands and. Yep. And whiskey. And the uh, the the puffin geese. Mm, oh yes, yeah, that, that's the puffin geese. Can't the puffin forget geese. the puffin geese. <laughs> Not really a history tie-in, but <laughs> Ernesto did a good job with now. You haven't heard now boarding yet, right? No, we no. I think Ernesto did a good job with uh, now boarding's plain history. Cool, Ooh, nice. I'm excited to listen to it. So uh, now it's time for a moment everybody's been waiting for: Kiwi statistical <laughs> analysis. <laughs> yep. do, 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 do. All right, so we've played 48 games this season. Uh, we're, that's down one, one down from, uh, last year. Uh, and this includes all the games. So the ones that we played two players, the one that Eric played with his whole group. Uh, so that includes everything. Uh, when for the analysis, I make sure to include only games that all, at least all three of us were a part of. Okay. Uh, so that puts us down to 24, which is down from 36. Mm. I think we play. we ended up playing a lot more two player games or local games, uh, just because of, scheduling and timing and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, but we got to add some additional hosts this year uh, and some guests. And so that's that's always good. So uh, between the three seasons, we have 135 games, which would be enough to build a pr- uh, predictive model. But at this point, it's just a running gag that eventually I'll get to it. Uh, try to predict whether somebody will pick it up or uh, play it again. I like that. It's just um, a running gag for, yep. for you, obviously. Yeah. The rest uh, of us maybe don't care as much. Yeah. And then the other big <laughs> is... Um, I moved away from Tableau, the program, and I moved into uh, using Python specifically to do all my data analysis. So there was a little bit of a a learning uh, gig for me. So uh, how about wins? So Eric is the big winner for season three. He won the most games at 13. Last season was clearly an anomaly for me because I dropped back down to my season one. I went from 15 wins down to eight wins. And then BP just were generally around where she usually is uh, towards the bottom. So you, you don't have to put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Eric has been steadily improving his uh, his win rate. Uh, he also generally wins more complex games, <laughs> although uh, this season I won more the more complex games. I, I think that tends to be just because I no have rules. the rules and so I'm teaching it. And so I think sometimes you end up um, having a little bit of advantage, at least for a first play. I feel like some that'll even out once you have more and more yeah. plays of, I, of a game. I think it but. also depends on the style of game. Like some of them are just, if it's kind of like a, I forget what, something we played and I was like, by the time you figured out how it worked, it was, it was over. Yeah, the game was over. Like yeah. uh, Nidaveltier was one where like, Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. By the time I understood the math, the game was over. Uh, so I broke it out, the mechanics uh, out by season and the total. So obviously hand management kind of takes the cake and it's across the all. all but that one's kind of Just a hard one because anytime so there's cards involved, it's it's hand management. Um, we've uh, increased the games that contain set collection while decreasing the number of games that have some sort of deck bag pool building. <laughs> so I'm sure BP appreciates that, that we're playing less deck less deck builders um, and we're playing some games that have uh, some increased number of set collection. Um, so would you play it again? Coming as a shock to no one, Eric is still the pickiest <laughs> of the three hosts. Uh, however, this game, we didn't have any games that Eric would play again and BP and Kiwi wouldn't. Uh, last year we did. Um, and then last year we also didn't have any games that BP would play, but Eric and I would. Uh and this year we had two of those. So finally, we had fewer games that we'd all play this season as compared to last. So we went from only 12 games this year that we would all play. And then last year we had 17 games. So so do you do you take note of uh, which ones were kind of the anomalies or just looking at this? Uh, so I kind of they're uh, they are broken out in this this graph here. So we have six games that we none of us would play again. 12 games that we would all play again. And then in between, you know, there's another probably 12 or 15 games where some combination Mm -hmm. of us uh, would want to play it again. Um, We may be getting pickier, but at the same time, I think it has more to do with the fact that we played more games kind of separate and away from each other. Mm. I feel like it, had we played more games, it probably generally would have l- looked a lot more like it has in the past seasons. I think we are getting a so, bit pickier just because as you consider when you play it again, other games that you would have that you might play over it. Uh-huh. I think the more you play, the less like you'll you'll become just because you know more games. Yeah, exactly. And and we and I and I, I think I can say that we are getting pickier. Um so 
season one, Eric would play about 60% of the games again. Now he's less than 50, 50, uh, BP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. BP has actually remained relatively steady. She has dropped a few points, but not much. And she's, she's around two thirds of the time. She'll play a game again. Consistency is good. Well, yep. our and consistency then- is because is it space? No. Um, is it a deck builder? <laughs> no. Um, otherwise, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> And then I hover around, probably my average is about three quarters of the games I would play again. So, uh, but I have gotten pickier. I've gone from 77% Ooh. down to 71%. Oh, okay. my a whole, goodness. A whole 6%, 6% between three seasons. Yep. Um, we have been playing uh, higher rated games. Can I, can I ask I mean, one yeah, question I, first? Yeah. So on the would you play it again chart, what is that left value? The left va- oh, so that is the rating on BGG. Okay, because I was like, man, Adventure Zone is crushing it for something. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that is that is the rating on BGG. So, and then that seven point five three. That's for, the average for Volshola. Yeah, for Volshola. Uh, he, yeah, that was the lowest rated. Um, and interestingly, uh, Cat Lady and Colt Express were two of our lowest. BGG rated games that we would all play. Oh my again. god, they're so fantastic! Then, I, yeah, I, I swear I I've not it. met anybody who doesn't love either of those games. I think it's one of those things. Like we've played games in the past where we're like, okay, that game was not for us, mm-hmm. but we understand why other people like it. Those two games, it's like I play it. And it was like, how can everybody not love these games? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't make sense. I think it's the the board game geek um, bias, though, of like who goes into. That's why like mm-hmm. more complex games mm-hmm. tend to score higher because those, those are the are type the people of people who are, who are on board Game Geek. Um, yep. You know, whereas like Cat Lady is such a just and Colt Express, there's not a, a lot of, you know, it's just fun. And if, you know, fun people don't go on board Game Geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we've just lost any other listeners we may have wow. had. <laughs> Let's be honest. Nobody uh, on board Game Geek actually listens to our podcast. Yeah, I'd say they, right. they, they stopped listening a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of how quickly we played, we've actually, this season, we've done really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, as games get more complex, at least for the last two seasons, it's increased the amount of time that we've needed to play. Uh, season two, when the pandemic started and we were doing everything online because mm-hmm. we were also all three in different places, um, that w- that that was our biggest curve between complexity and time. This year, we actually kind of leveled out. We we generally do take more time than what's on the box, mm-hmm. um, but we stay consistent regardless of complexity. So that's good. All right. And then uh, we got our last chart here. Uh, So one of the big things that I did other than switching to Python was Mm -hmm. I changed up how the scores were standardized and I actually used what standardization is supposed to be. So it's based off the standard deviation and the mean, and it brings everything to the mean of all the values or the average, if you will. BP staring at me like, (laughs) why is he being so mean to me? Um, No, I know what mean means in that mathematical sense. I know both definitions. Uh, My eyes are glazing over it because you're speaking some sort of language. This is what my students look at when I start talking history. They just... Yeah, last year I basically interpolate. I used interpolation, so the the lowest score was zero, the highest score was ten, and then I put our scores kind of in between based on the mean. Uh, but that's not how you're supposed to do it. So as you look at this chart, uh, zero is the is the mean. So if you are in the negative, you are below average. If you're positive, you're above average. 
Um, and this that average is uh, it's about 50 to 60 scores on BoardGameGeek. Uh, and again, just like Eric pointed out. So am I blue? Uh, yes, you are blue. And so what did I across. do so fantastically? Uh, that's Cat Lady. Uh. Yes. <laughs> so the one game that we all uh, statistically do much better in than the normal person is Cat Lady. Uh, what one did you really suck on? Uh, so that was season two. That would have been um, Cottage Cottage Garden. Oh, he did terrible like. at Cottage Garden. Yeah, I did really bad at uh. Cottage Garden. Uh, you guys did quite well, and I did uh, horrible. So uh, generally speaking, uh, we're all below average. We're not going to be winning any board game competitions. <laughs> competitions. It's like, but- hold on. I was like, what was my worst game? I was like, oh, it's a feast for Odin, and I still won that. <laughs> uh, well, what? yeah, we all yeah, did. Where else then. is Hilo there? Uh, those would be Nidavillier and... Uh, looks like pipeline. Oh, so. no, underwater <laughs> cities, I did bad at too. Yeah, I think we all did. Uh, bad so, at that Eric is the closest to average, yeah. uh, and then BP and I are kind of uh, BP is the lowest, and then I'm kind of right in between uh, the two. So, so some additional findings. So, I tried to look to see if we would uh, if we played better, if we would pick it up again or if we scored higher or lower affected whether we would play it again. And generally speaking, these elements have no effect on each other. Mm-hmm. So whether we would pick it up doesn't affect our score and vice versa. Uh, and then how often do we get it right in that at the beginning of the episode, we say we would pick it up. Mm. And at the end of this episode, we say we would play it again or vice versa. We wouldn't pick it up and we wouldn't play it again. I don't know that that's getting it right or just well, I, being I, I feel like throughout. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm I, if you were walking into a store and you looked at a game and said, I'm going to buy this game off the shelf, having getting it right in that case, like you know, yeah. chances that you're actually uh, going to like the game. Yeah. So Eric and BP, you guys are about 70% of the time you are correct, meaning whatever you say at the beginning, the end will match. So you're play it again okay. and you're pick it up match. Uh, I'm at about 80%. But I feel like that's cheating because I'll basically say yes to anything. Uh, uh, and interesting, it is a lot closer to my would I play it again, just period. Mm. My, you know, am I right uh, type thing. I'd say you also have the knowledge of the rules ahead of time, which I know you try to ignore, but obviously. I, yeah, I do try to ignore. And then interestingly, we are more likely to say that we would pick up a game, but we would not play it again. Then we are to See, not pick it I'm up. I'm such an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to like the game. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, but I thought that was curious because and and that went for all three of us. Yeah. So we you were more likely to not play a game that you would pick up than you would play, play it again, again. Something that you wouldn't pick up. So, uh, and finally, uh, Eric would prefer uh, cooperative push your luck games with simultaneous action selection. Yeah. So the games that he would say play it again. Uh, those were kind of the top. Yeah, that sounds pretty. Uh, yeah. Ignoring stuff. Uh, so what I did was, is I looked at all the mechanics for games that you would not play again and games that you would play again. Mm. And anything that wasn't on the you would play it again, like not on each one. That's what I this is what it is. So uh, no games that Eric said no to had push your luck, cooperative or wow. simultaneous action selection. Mm. I would play every uh, cooperative again. Uh, that we've played, that we yes. Played this, was that just for this year or for the total? That was just for this year. Okay. I'm sure there's got to uh, be some. Uh, no, that's actually all of them. Wow. This this includes everything. So yeah, so Eric would prefer cooperative push your luck games with simultaneous action selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would prefer a cooperative worker placement <laughs> game. <laughs> Surprisingly, um, no one. 
Yeah. So let's MVP? see. My, the closest to mine would be like what? Kitchen Rush or um, uh, yeah, I think uh, so. Space mm-hmm. Alert, which we've been playing a, a decent amount of. Uh, super fun. Yours would be Pandemic. Yeah, as an example. Probably. <laughs> uh, and then BP would prefer cooperative pattern building games. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, we like cooperative yep. games. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a nice What's a cooperative pattern building? I don't know. I couldn't. I those are the two that we could, but I couldn't think of any games that actually would fit. That. Would fit. So we, need yeah. to, we need to design yeah, we, one. We need Someone to, needs to, yeah. we need to find a. Yeah. We need to find a cooperative pattern building game to see if BP would like it. <laughs> All right. Nice job on the statistics. That's yeah, yeah pretty interesting. Lots of pretty charts there. I can't wait till we bring in win rate with Kate. She feel like she wins everything. Yeah. And Kate, I left off of this one just because there weren't enough, enough. Yeah, that's observations with Kate involved. But I would like to, if we can this season, get Kate more involved and then get her into the statistics as well. So, and our final questions, uh, what was our biggest surprise? Uh, so I actually went back and looked at the data. The only game that we played all season that I said I would not pick it up, but that I would play it again. So the only one, Isle of Sky. Hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I would actually remember that as being, no, we, we didn't think it'd be super interesting, but yeah. it was more fun so than that, I thought that, as an older that's game. A, yeah, that's how I based my biggest surprise was when I figured out that it was the only game. We don't that have that in a no chart anywhere, yes. do we? No, yeah. we don't know that you guys had several. That's why I didn't. I'm going to go with Kub- <laughs> surprise Kabuto Sumo. OK, uh, because again, bugs. Yeah. Uh, and the first time the first playthrough was like over in seconds. And I was like, oh, uh, what's this? Also, nine tiles panic, I think, too, because just the name of it. It's and not a great the name. instructions, yeah, yeah, made it sound kind of complex, but then it was really fun once you got into it. Yep. Anyway, that's that's my feeling, Cubitos, uh, because I was like, oh, it's like a racing game, and I haven't liked those very much, and thematic was kind of weird. Um, but I mean, that's the game I tried to buy at Gen Con. <laughs> so <laughs> I I thought it was a great game, and it's like a, a deck builder. It had a lot of like co- keywords that um didn't didn't sound appealing, <laughs> but. Uh, I just remember it being a lot of fun. And then I'll say another one uh, was the Adventure Zone. Not so much that I didn't think I would like it, but I was hesitant going in because it's like IP games. Is it just going to be like a, you know, cash grab? Uh, not super fun and intriguing game. But uh, I thought Adventure Zone was like really well done and a really, really cool way to do a pretty simple cooperative game like that. Biggest disappointment. So I wrote down Calico. Mm. I felt like with the colors and cats and stuff, and I, the I really, yeah, and the artists and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to like that one more. But I feel like we've had more games this year where uh, at least somebody has said, I wanted to like it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, we had a good number of disappointments this year. Yeah. So Calico was, that was the one that I went with this year, though. I had picked Title Blades. Uh, I remember it was on Kickstarter. It looked really cool. The art looked cool. I thought it was going to be much more story driven. The concept was interesting. You're like, you know, in a Olympic games at a lagoon kind of, I don't know. It just seemed interesting and it was, um, not very memorable. So what was the one at Gen Con, uh, with the tile placement storytelling lost ones? Yeah, I yeah. really yeah. wanted that to be. Uh, that was one of the ones I remember. Uh, 
Yeah, I really, I did. I really, I feel like it had so much going for it, right? This choose your own adventure style, love choose your own adventure. And it was so. Yeah, it was kind of bleh. Um, that's my big one. And then, um, not that I thought I would like, it's a wonderful world, but I really, again, I really don't like the title for that game. Like I just, it was such a misnomer as a disappointment, just in terms of, uh, title that, that one was up there. Uh, favorite game we featured on the podcast. Well, I feel like I've just been saying this over and over again, so I might as well put it as the favorite one that we featured on the podcast. Kabuto Sumo, because okay. I've just said it over and over again. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I went with two uh, Adventure Zone. OK, uh, just because I the we've talked yes. about how much we enjoy storytelling. And then the other one actually fits into my cooperative worker placement game, Forgotten Waters. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, I really, I really what enjoyed Forgotten One. That was the pirate one with the app that talked oh, to you. Oh, yeah. yeah I did like that one, too. Yeah. The one we right. tried to pick up for my birthday, and then no, they didn't have it available. Find it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. One day. So one day we'll have it. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite game featured on the podcast, I've avoided mentioning, uh, Sleeping Gods. I think I, I mentioned it once. Uh, <laughs> Sleeping Gods, because it also uh, fits probably my pick for artwork. Um, player interaction, uh, pretty uh-huh. much all the things. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's for my next two. So favorite on the podcast and just favorite overall this year was sleeping gods. Um, okay. I just, I love that game. It's probably my favorite game overall. Yeah. This one was the, the, the favorite game all year was hard because yeah. like we've played a lot of games that I really love, you know, gloom Haven, yeah. too many bones. So I tried to avoid the games Kitchen that, rush. yeah. So I tried Raccoon to pick Tycoon. ones that we <laughs> were new this year. Okay. Uh, so I went with role player adventures. Mm-hmm. I really like the storytelling. We played role player beforehand to kind of build our characters to go into mm-hmm. it. So I'm, we're two thirds of my way to my dream of being able to play role player cartographers and go into role player adventures. If we could figure out a way that you could build a, an adventure using cartographers, it would create the trifecta and I think create the ultimate game experience. Yeah, so I went role player adventure for favorite game played this year. And it has to be, and well, it doesn't have to be new, but I yeah. feel like having it be new is good. You can um, whatever game you want. I left an open ended uh, question because I didn't really, it's just however you want to interpret it. There are so many, obviously, Raccoon Tycoon yep. um, and getting really, I think getting to play some some of the games with Kate in person at Gen Con just overall were some of my favorite experiences. Um, having the four of us uh, together in person um, was just, I mean, even the B game, even though, right, it was a little awkward, the Robin Hood game, but I, the the Camel Con was just so enjoyable. I just feel like as a gaming experience, because we had talked about this in our Gen Con episodes, that your environment can sometimes really influence, right? Like yep. your, your takeaways, obviously, right? It influences your memories. And I think for like top game plays of the year for me, uh, maybe not just one game, but the favorite game gameplay experience will be CamelCon. Which was Kitchen Rush. Um, oh, yeah. Kitchen Rush. Raccoon Tycoon. Raccoon Tycoon. Bosque. Pandemic Legacy. Bosk. Uh, BP left, but we did get in too many bones because she had to leave. Mm-hmm. But that was a good one. Um, yeah, we played a bunch. Mm-hmm. Was, yep. Yeah, that was a, that was was a lot of fun. fun. 
So uh, that was uh, 2021. All right, I guess BP wins, though, because that was like the most wholesome answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cut out all of that. (laughs) I do feel a little emotional. It was kind of great. All right. Well, uh, so... If you are ready to send us recommendations for 2022, we are we are here. We want to hear from you. We want to hear those recommendations. And we're looking forward to playing some new games. So just send them our way. Emails first turn tabletop at Gmail and Twitter and Instagram. We are at first turn cast and our podcasting camel. He's kind of blowing on one of those little like things that you get for New Year's Eve. Like, you know, that kind of. Sure. Goes out. How'd it go again? Uh (laughs) He says, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on all of your favorite podcatchers. And we look forward to hearing from you. So play more games. 